never give up. I never give up. I never give up. Welcome back to Neff Inspiration, my show on YouTube and as a podcast with me, your host, Stefan Neff. Today is another beautiful day for an interview. And I finally got a reverend, Leslie Peters, with me. She is a powerhouse, a spiritual warrior who has made it her passion and her mission to go out there and teach people the importance of connectedness. And whilst I always say the opposite to addiction is connection, in this case, we are actually talking connectedness with ourselves, connectedness with the true human that is sitting in there, that is the, the basis of everything good. And we often have lost touch with this, this, this human being, and he's, he's sitting all alone. He, she, it is sitting all alone in there. And uh, Leslie, I'm so pleased that you're here that we can today explore how you got onto that that path of yeah. of which you are now. Uh, and I can't wait to talk to you. Leslie, thank uh, you very thank much for you. being a guest on my thank show. Thank you. Thanks, Stefan. Thank you so much for having me too. I've been so looking forward <laughs> to this and uh, the time was finally right. So, exactly. Yeah. Oh, man. I mean, here you are, a nurse who has essentially been um, really in the trenches. You have been uh, working in Philadelphia for three decades in the poorer inner city suburbs. For crying out loud, that is not for the faint hearted. Um, and But a lot of things have happened to you, good things, bad things. But now suddenly you completely changed trajectory not too long yeah. ago and you think what the hell we just burned <laughs> out have you had enough from but, from look, nursing look, you think i no i loved my job i fought i've always listened to my intuition ever since i was younger and i mean seriously if my head says do this and my something that i call it this voiceless voice inside me if it says nope go the other way i i listened to it over my head always have uh, a couple of times in the past few years i haven't and i've gotten into trouble but when i listen to my intuition um and when i left work i started hearing the voiceless voice like in 2015 it was like your work here is done it's time to take the message outward and i was like nope i'm not listening i love my job i love it i'm not leaving i'm not listening so i ignored it and around 2000, I guess somewhere after I started ignoring it, little things started to happen, right? To to kind of make my job not go as smoothly and to make it not flow as well. And one of the simplest thing was, you know, nurses, we always pick up a million pens, right? And I had this whole bag of new pens, brand new. And I went into a patient's house and the first pen didn't work, second pen, I went through the whole, a dozen of them, didn't work asked the client for a pen or pencil. She gave me a mechanical pencil. And I'm writing, I break the point. I'm like, do you have any more? She goes, no. And I'm like, so that was looking back. I didn't notice it then. But the universe wanted me to quit so badly that I think it was January 7, January 2017. I gave a lot of injections because I dealt with women in preterm labor. And in January, I'd be given the injection going, Where's the needle? And it would fall out of my hand. I lost fine uh, the mobility. And I found a workaround on doing that. If I could hold a pencil for 10 minutes, I'd go to work. And the universe, I'm sure, spirits going, Jesus, this is girl persistence. Like she's not taking the message. Right? Uh -huh. Well, 
um, and, and this is just to show people how powerful our inner voice is and how the outside world will work to get us where we're going, right? Um, but it, that was January. And then in May, being working in public health destroys your car, right? Potholes, all that stuff. So I'd always said to my kids, I'll never get a new car until I leave my job. Was well, son of a gun, I got in four car accidents in the month of May. Three of them I was parked. I would just be sitting there and people would go boom. And I was just laughing, going, Oh my God, you gotta be good. But June, driving home one day, I drive a totally different way. And I'm like, ah, just go with it. Pull off at this exit. Well, might just go with it. <laughs> I go into a car dealership. I come out, you know, with a couple hours later, I'm driving home going, what the heck just happened? I have a brand new car, no money down, seriously. And my car payment was $103 a month. And I'm going, that was so weird. Next morning, get up, go to work. Halfway there, I'm at a red light. All of a sudden, I get this wicked pain in my stomach. It doubles me over. And I look up, I'm like, ah, I'm done. I went and saw one client and quit. Oh. And that's what started. I remember laying in bed that night going, okay, now what? And I just heard, speak and listen, this will be easy. I didn't make it easy. <laughs> but, you know, um, that was it. That was, that was the, the universe saying, girl, you don't, nope, there's a different plan. <laughs> And that is, and it that took is, me a while to figure out what that plan was, uh, to be honest with you, because yeah. I was truly happy where I was. I loved it. I would have done for free. Um, and Having said that, may, may I just interfere yeah. there a little bit? Sure. And it is a beautiful way how you how you described it as your as your transformational journey um, with regards to your to your passion, truly being allowed to come out. And yeah. being allowed to to flower and flourish. Um, having said that, having a doctor's hat on, I wonder the the feelings or the the dropping of things, the things that the hands didn't work so well, um, the the fact that there were certain certain periods where you had uh, where you were not hundred percent sure where what had occurred. Um, that sounds maybe a bit like migraines or indeed something going yes, on within so, your brain that absolutely. that was that was maybe not so nice uh may i inquire was there did your transformational journey also unfortunately reveal something else going on yes it did it did and so um i had always been rather unique and clumsy and i just i laughed it all off because yeah. but i've always been super clumsy um, you know, I step where there are no steps. I like, you know, don't step where there are steps and, right. <laughs> you know, but I think it was, so my background is my specialty is at the adverse childhood experience study and the neuroscience of chronic stress. And so when I left work for 2017 to 2018, I just followed my intuition. I really didn't hop on the computer. I didn't do much of anything. I was just flying all over, like, going wherever my guts had go, I went. And then around 2018, I thought, mm, maybe I should like try to make a business out of this or something. So I went on the computer and I started having, for the first three months, I was okay. And I actually did really well. I taught myself how to build websites, all that stuff. And then after three months, 
weird stuff started happening on the computer. And um, a lot of it was visual. And <clears throat> my, my vision vision went from 2020 in June when I left to three months later, 300, 400 and cataracts. And the doctor's like, oh, these cataracts will take a couple of years to grow. In a couple of months, they were big enough. They had to come out. They took them out. And then six months later again. And I'm like, what the heck is happening? But I couldn't, I had a, after those first three months, I would look at the computer and it was almost like I would stare at a blank screen and uh, it did something to the energy in my, it did something right to me and my energy. And no matter how hard I tried, I couldn't be productive on it. Like nothing was ever finished because I just go into this weird alphas. I don't know what it was, but anyhow, I went and had my brain studied because I knew the adverse. And after the first cognitive test, it was one of those eight hour days. The first test was really weird because I started to see things that were weird. Uh, for example, it was one test and, and I'm telling, this is not important in my message directly, but I think it's what I've experienced, I think is a large part of the social determinants of health and well-being. It's cognitive health. It's, it's not race. It's not this. It's, but that's another story. That's how I got into the rabbit hole. But I did. I apparently, doctors had said to me, uh, they're like, how the hell did you get through life with a brain like this? And I'm like, quite well. I love it. Thank you. And, you know, there were, there's not one area of the brain that quote unquote works normal. Um, and I think they'd said, you know, I, my best analogy to lay people is that our brain is a structure, right? And anatomical structure and each piece does its own thing. And if you think of it like an orchestra, right? You got the strings, you got, they all work together and make beautiful music. Well, yeah. all my different sections work independently and they don't like to work together. So, <laughs> which rather explains why I've always lived in the moment. I never knew why I did that. I just always lived in the moment, right? But at the time, so I had had traumatic brain injury at the age two, but never knew it. I knew I had a car accident with head trauma, but I never knew because it was 1964. You know what I mean? Like they didn't, mm -hmm. they just watch it for a concussion. Um, but when that happened, so I went and I, I had total four nerve cognitive testing, and they all said the same thing. And they were all like, good luck, you'll never be productive in today's world. And I'm like, bull, look what I've done with my life without really being able, my reading comprehension's really poor. And I'm like, I have two college degrees, nursing, I've changed top of my class, how do I do that? And I'm like, listening, that's how I did. I didn't, I never read a book. And I started thinking back going, the only books I've ever read are to my kids, but I can read. I just don't understand what I'm reading beyond. So it was finding out about my traumatic brain injury was, you know how everyone always says, don't listen to doctors. So I'm like, to me, it was validation because I thought I was going nuts. And I had hired a business coach at the time I started working on the computer and it was funny before, as soon as I hired him, I said to him, just don't, and I didn't know about my brain at this time. I said, just don't make me think 
but I have to just feel it and do it. And if you tell me something and it doesn't feel right, don't argue with me. I'm not doing it until it feels right. And so for me, uncovering the way my brain worked was such validation. And I was so proud of myself. I was like, damn, girl. Right. So I came home and I was like, I had started a journal writing to my younger self. And I just, you know, it was a conversation with me and myself. And I said to her, damn, girl, like, how did you do all this stuff? That's amazing. And I said, how did our brain get like this? And she said, God gave it to us. And I was like, I didn't even know I was spiritual, let alone God. Like most of my life, I wouldn't even utter the word God. Right. And um, I'm like, "Mm, God gave it to us. What do you mean? (laughs) And she's like, well, in the accident, God gave it to us. And I said, oh, okay, how come? And she goes to teach people to love and forgive. And I went, oh, my God. Then, like, so between 2018 and 2020, in writing to my younger self, my entire life made sense. Why I was the way I was. Why people in the streets every day would be like, you sound like Jesus. I'm like, no, never been to church, never read the Bible. like that. But I realized I seriously have done street ministry since the age of 16. But I never knew why. So it was... And that is the message, I think, is that here's a kid without trying to be anything. All I did was open my heart at the age of 16 and say, world, here I am, like me or not. And I know what I need, and I don't know how to get what I need. I needed to feel unconditionally loved and accepted. So I just went out in the world and decided to give that to everyone else. That was it. That is how my life flowed. I got through college twice. Like, it's so simple. It's so hard to really explain in a few words. But at the end of the day, to ace connection, to like live with love and to find self-healing, we don't have to do anything. We just have to be ourselves. We don't have to try to be better. We just have to open our hearts and be ourselves. And, you know, up until I left work, you know, I, I started a thing at the age of 16 where I, I didn't know how to get my needs met. And um, so I would just, when I got my driver's license, I'd go to different areas where I was unfamiliar with. And I'd look at the people I'd be driving and go, what do they have in common with me? What do they have in common with me? <laughs> and I started making up stories and that did make me feel a little more connected and, and less alone. But then I got really curious about people. So after a couple months of doing that, I would get out of my car and just start walking up down the street and go, Hey, by the name, my name's Leslie. I kind of struggle with this. What about you? <laughs> and people would pour their hearts out. It was heart and brain coherence, really homeostasis, all the, it, everything I was guided to do since 1964 is all now evidence-based stuff. And I'm like telling, oh, this is so bizarre. It's so cool. <laughs> <laughs> but it is not wow. easy to explain. Yeah. And it's not something people understand once. So when people say to you, what's your role? What do you do? Yeah. I've known all along who I am and what I do. I'm a messenger. I'm like a global minister of heart. And I'm, you know, I, my job is to 
to share the experiences of a life full of adverse and traumatic experiences where I never saw one of them as adversity or trauma. I saw the lesson. I looked for the gift. And all this with no education, no parental guidance, no support from anyone, right? Because with the brain injury, I would ask questions all the time, but no one ever, no one understood my questions, you know? So it was kind of, I was emotionally on my own, but by doing this at the age of 16 and other things that I was guided since age two, by the time I was 20 or so out in the world, the world was my home. Strangers were my family and I never felt alone or unsupported, even though in reality I was alone and emotionally alone and unsupported wow so i'm a speaker like my role you know people when we allow ourselves to and it just has to be with opening the heart right it's not even self-awareness it's not self-love through those years the only thing I can say for sure is I opened my heart and I was in tune with that inner voice and what my body was telling me. So I wasn't self-aware, but I was in tune with my body. Like my body, I never set boundaries, mental boundaries. I let my body tell me boundaries. If I was somewhere and someone said something to me, I go, ooh, that didn't feel good. Okay, don't do that again. <laughs> don't get in that situation again. Does that make sense? Like we have what we need, but we don't have to, you know, I, I, the more I listen, even to personal development teachers and spiritual, we do such a good job of making people feel like crap mm. and bad about themselves, mm. you know, and, and I've never done that through my life. My role, I want to make someone see their light because, and I didn't realize this either. But when I would hold a safe space for someone else to see themselves, see their own light, right? They show me mine. Mm. So looking back, what I see about the way that I was guided to live is that humanity, our role here is to hold a space for one another. It's not to fix one another. It's to help to hold a space for us to find one another. Does that make sense? Deeply, deeply, yes. Uh, it is. I, Let I, me put it simply. I, no, no, no. I understand. I understand you so much, but I'm so surprised about the journey that led you to it. And no doubt, whenever someone opens their heart to others, there are 10% of people in this world who will take advantage of that, who will Absolutely. try to destroy you, who will be narcissists, who will try to, to work on your on any perceived weakness um yeah. there are especially in the in the more poorer inner city uh lower socioeconomic places there is a huge amount of personality disorders and and uh, mental health problems drug abuse these people are not necessarily nice people so okay how I'm the hell yeah go okay. for it i'm gonna say something that may surprise you in now just so you know my father had narcissistic coping mechanisms my ex-husband did and so is my son right so I've been around it my whole life 
it makes sense now, but when I was a little girl, I think the spirit taught me how to step into my power before I took my first step. <laughs> like probably sometime after that near-death experience, I remember now when, so I was sexually abused from the ages two to like 12 and by different people. But I remember telling, now I remember telling my mom, my aunt, kindergarten teachers, first grade teachers, second grade teachers, nobody did anything, right? It was the 60s. I've heard so many stories. Of, but here's what I remember doing now. I am safe. The world's a loving, accepting place. I would close my eyes. I would do something I call rubber band breathing, where I would breathe. I would pretend I was pulling the energy from the ground. I'd pull it up to my head. I'd hold my abs in, and then I'd bring it all the way back down, still holding my abs in. At the same time, I'd go, I am safe. The world's a loving, accepting place. And I'd vision, I'd imagine feeling what that was like. In 1964, I was doing breathing, visioning affirmations <laughs> and i didn't even know it so what that wow. did though also wow. that inner voice taught me to say like when so when people didn't respond to my telling them like how i need your help i didn't go into this story and i never understood why i didn't but i just always remember going well oh, I know it means nothing about me. Why could they be hurting so much? Why aren't they helping a child? But I knew it wasn't about me. I knew it was their hurt that was causing them to act the way they did. And so I call them the divine heart healings now. It took me several years, the past three or four years to actually figure out what exactly I did to turn trauma to love. How did I do this? How can I teach it? And it was everything I was guided to do. Those, those first three practices, though, when you think about it, it allowed me to connect. I still do them now. During the past few years, I do it all the time. It's how I connected with myself. So I may not have been self-aware, but the hand on the heart, connecting with the beat of my own heart, imagining the feeling of what safe feels like, I learned how to feel safe with me despite living in unsafe environment. And kind of the message first all now is that I see now the only way to feel safe in an unsafe world is to feel safe with you. Like, all my life, I would go on back to our, I put myself in quote unquote dangerous situations, feeling quite comfortable because I knew that whatever that voiceless voice was, if I was in trouble, I could count on it to tell me. And it did twice in my whole life. One of them was walking up to a patient's house. I knock on the door and some guy answers and something inside me said, don't go in, turn the other way now. And I did. I turned the other way, went to my car, said, my boss, don't ask me why. I don't know why, but I'm not going in. And that's how, but you, so you asked me about narcissism and stuff. I, it wasn't a conscious decision. It was something, inner guidance, spirit, guides, whatever you want to call it. But I was two or three when I started doing that. And 
every part of my traumatic brain injury. I wake up every morning, always have my whole life for the first couple hours. I'm like, uh, who am I? What did I do yesterday? Like, I know my name, but I can't remember my passion. I can't remember my purpose. I have trouble writing. I can't speak. Like, I just have to sit there. And so I do this. I'm safe. It's okay. I got you, baby. It's all right. You know, this is just part of who we are. And like, it's, now I know it's forced meditation, <laughs> forced connected. But every part of my traumatic brain injury was a gift to help me go out in the world, connect the way mm. I needed to maintain mm. eye contact, you know? And so the message for other people, mm. as I see it, is that our traumas, our adversity, our pain, it is a gift. It's the gift. The, you know, because the pain is where we develop our humanness. It's where we develop compassion and empathy. And the only time I'd say the curse of our stories is like when we deny the pain. If we're not willing to receive the gift and we open up close our hearts, then that's the curse. It's not the pain. I, I always embraced pain. I've never been afraid of it. I'm like, okay, it's going to be uncomfortable. Let's go. <laughs> right? The first business coach had said to me, um, you know, he's like, you need to teach people what you do. And here's how spiritual. Looking back now, I believe I was asleep to the fact I was spiritually awake all my life. <laughs> How's that for irony, right? Exactly. <laughs> but I said to him, what do I do? You, can you please tell me what I do? What is this gift everyone keeps saying I have? And because even though people said that after every conversation, I was like, the validation was amazing, but I never understood what they were talking about. I think it's <laughs> simply authenticity. Yeah. yeah. And, and with being able to trust myself. So the coach had said, teach people what makes you walk towards other people that the rest of the world walks away from. And it's simple, because I trust myself. I'm comfortable with me. And if I'm comfortable with me, then I can hold anyone's discomfort. So, but what I have a very difficult time dealing with, and it's been what I've been facing the last four years, is inauthenticity. So when you're talking about people who are struggling, people who are struggling and not afraid to admit it, they're not the problem in this world. Like, I would rather sit with a homeless person. I feel safer with them than I do with someone who's an entrepreneur trying to sell me something. Because there's no authenticity. Uh, or system, system leaders, mid-management and systems, health and mental health. Yeah. I don't know what I'm dealing with. If the armor's on so thick that I can't break through, yeah. I don't know what I'm dealing with. And it leaves me going, ah, hell, I have autism too, right? So for me, it's, I, I've, I've lived my whole life based on energy exchange. Yeah. When I went out in the world, after those conversations, which I had 15 or 20 a day, I would hug everyone. You want to talk about like healing. Mm. It's hugging. <laughs> it, it's touch. It's, it's because the very simplicity is it allows you, no words are necessary. Nothing off my, you know, if 
we have the ability to fill one another's hearts so greatly with doing so little. But because we're not feeling safe within our own selves because we're wearing the armor, we put a barrier between us and the world. And it's gotten worse since COVID. I think COVID happened to help us alleviate the arm and it's no fault i'm not blaming anyone right like it this illusion of the armor that keeps us safe i think it went on so slowly insidiously in childhood when you know probably something as simple as a parent you know a child says i want to be an astronaut and a parent says oh you can't do that you have to be this and kids know they need their parents so i'm sure as a little kid you go mm, maybe i better not really say what i think <laughs> and it starts there and i think what happens in and this is not a conversation i'm so sorry i'm monopolizing this not at all not at all yeah, don't I, you but don't I, you apologize because that is your but, I, but here's what i think what happens i think that and i i know this within i can't prove it to you but i know from within what happens is that throughout my life up until the last few years i had always seen the best of what society deems the worst of people. I never understood my whole life. I'm going, why are people so angry and frustrated? This world's amazing. It's like utopia. I traveled overseas. Doesn't matter where I go. Anywhere's my home. And, um, but what I think happens is when we know our inner knowing, not our ego and our our mind, but when we know that we're down deep, loving and compassionate and good, and then our actions and our behaviors, our words don't match that because we're wearing the armor and we're protecting, then there's constant inner conflict because you're not in integrity with who you know you are. And when you talked about narcissist, I grew up in you know, families with addiction and our culture is like one big messed up family with substance abuse, you know what I mean? Like there's the narcissistic coping and then there are people who are people pleasers. And at the end of the day, they're not bad people. There's hurt and fear underlying both styles of coping with the world. Make sense? A hell of a lot. And when there's fear and when you don't feel safe, you need to feel in control. Some people feel in control by controlling others and bullying. Some people feel in control by meeting others' needs. Codependency, very fine line with what I did. The difference was I, don't, I didn't want anyone to need me. I didn't care if they knew my name. I didn't care if they did what I did. It was just, you know what I'm saying? So there's a, but as a mental health nurse, I always went, am I codependent? Because I was in my home with the, those people. I, not barely, but there were, you know, I loved but my heart was eh, not totally open. Right. Like I would always speak up for myself, but I would mumble. So I wasn't ridiculed for what I said. Interesting. Wow. 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 It, 
But at the end of the day, the simplicity of the message is most of us, most people I've met are not evil. They're not nasty. They're not whatever. They're just not quite comfortable with themselves because they can't see themselves. And if you're not comfortable with yourself, there's no way in hell you can be genuinely comfortable, empathetic, compassionate with anyone else because you're always on your guard. Mm. You asked about taking advantage of. Yes, there have been people. So here is a long time ago, I realized if it fills my heart, you can't take advantage of me. If I'm doing it because I want to do it, you cannot take advantage of me. Well, yeah. And I think um, uh, to a certain degree, no, to, to a large degree, I actually agree with you. Um, as an anesthetist, having worked in, in rougher parts of the world and a rougher well, <laughs> town where I'm now uh, is certainly not an, uh, the nicest of all places. Um, yeah. It is um, when I have a gang member who is injured uh, and I am just true to my heart, and yeah. treat him with the respect that I would give any human being. Suddenly, there is a very different dynamic going on there. Suddenly, there is a um, a, uh, a normal interaction between two yeah. humans, and you sort of drop the bullshit to one side and the other side. And you it's do. actually it's it's beautiful actually when it that occurs. Beautiful. Yeah, and you know when that occurs too. And so I, when I would talk to people, and even now right? And I would maintain that eye contact and look at them. You feel the energy between people. You mm. feel mm. there's a, a pureness to the connection where you don't, you never have to see that person again. Mm. But every person I've met and connected with stays in my heart always. Mm. Like they're with me. They're, they're why I was strong and, and why I stayed resilient and courageous. It's because of the world it's the energy right but when um the hugging too it's that it is that exchange of energy you know we know now everything is about energy and when i was hugging people we were exchanging and what's funny is you know and i did studies with this recently because my when i left work i burn out from not giving as crazy as it sounds. <laughs> I, for about a year and a half, I was good. And then it was like, I would find myself in the middle of COVID going, I need to give love. And I didn't need it. But for me also, cognitively, it cleared my brain. I think what happens with trauma sometimes is our, is our um, energy. It's not negative or positive. I think it's active or stagnant, right? Mm -hmm. and, it, and it gets imbalanced. So when I had a lot of energy up in my head the past few years from thinking too much, I wasn't hugging people. Mm -hmm. I So I tested with, um, uh, when I finally got around people, there mm -hmm. were a few people I'd say, can I do some studies with you? Let me hug you and see what happens. Like really hug you. And as I hugged them, my brain cleared. So I, but it's, so I wasn't giving bad energy. I was just giving extra energy, right? Does that make sense? It's beautiful. It's, it's, but I, and I'm sure when I was 16, start hugging, I was taking energy. I'm sure, you know, because I needed, I was in needy space. 
more like, you know, um, and just an, an irony of how I got in that needy space when I think between the ages two and 12, I was almost like in a spiritual, uh, dissociation thank god you know it was i learned how to go in and to work on my own energy that i could hold a space out in the world right and so i spent a lot of time alone my whole life but i also went out in with people i am there in the moment 150% and i know when i when i can't be that i go inward to work on my energy but um when I was 12, I spoke up and I was like, no more, and, and no more, I'm done. And that's when the narcissistic, like the emotional abuse started and everything. And I felt very disconnected from, I didn't feel connected to my family. I've always been kind of way outside the box, like ninth grade, I like to talk about philosophy, like, you know, it just didn't fit in anywhere. So I didn't fit in school. Teachers didn't understand me. And I tried to be like other people. I tried to have normal conversations as a teenager. Mm -hmm. I tried to care about what we wear to school. I tried to drink and all this. And what happened was I really felt disconnected because I lost connection with who I was. That's not me. Wow. And, and so that's what drove me out in the world because then I didn't feel connected to anyone else and I didn't feel connected to me either. So I felt really lost. At least when I didn't feel connected to the world, but I felt at home with myself. Mm-hmm. I didn't feel lost. I might've felt like I wanted more connection, but I didn't feel lost. That makes sense? Wow. 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 But but there's, you know, I, I've, it took forever. And I, as I said, I'm having some challenges with executing in the world, Mm. (laughs) which I'm realizing now when people, I never realized before how bullying our culture is. It's like, well, if you can't play my way, I'm like, listen, throw me on stage in front of 30,000 people. I'll be fine. Go say, go give a presentation. I'm fine. I don't have to think about it. It'll be done because I know enough about it to do it. But if you say, write this presentation down, it'll never get to, I'm done. <laughs> I'm done. I'm be- <laughs> I gave a, a talk once on ACES and to a thousand nurses with this um, company called Elite in the US. And so it, part of it was on self-care. It, and the webinar itself, I got paid really good money for an hour. And I'm thinking, oh, this is awesome. I can just do a bunch of these. Well, I stopped. I lost count at 180 hours. It took me to try to do a PowerPoint on which most was self-care because I couldn't figure out how to get my thoughts on the paper. Where do I break them? So over the past, um, so when I gave the talk, I always asked for feedback, which I find people I'm really leery to give feedback to. They don't feel comfortable. I'm like, you're not going to hurt my feelings, but I can never improve unless you tell me. Sure. Yeah. But so I asked the, the director of this company, she said, well, can you be a little more professional? And we had had three talks scheduled. This was the first. I said, you know what? Probably not. So I will let you out. of If you don't want to bring me on for the next two, that's fine. She goes, you know what? We had a thousand nurses and nobody leave, nobody left. And that's never happened before. So I guess whatever you're doing is fine. 
So the thing is, excellent people I know who understands my audience, but in order to have this have a social impact, I need the people who I make really uncomfortable to bring me in. <laughs> which has not worked and <laughs> not real good you know oh, leslie but that is that is the fact that is that is true authenticity um and yeah. it is uh, when I, I ran a large pain clinic about two thousand patients and uh of those two thousand patients do you know how many people did not swear one single one he was a pastor who despite all his pain he had made peace with god and he just said no I don't swear. I don't need to swear. Everyone yeah. else in the world, um, when when the cracks appear in the masquerade, uh, a masquerade, a different person comes out. Often, maybe not such a nice person, a frustrated person, but that is authentic. That is when we actually yeah. drop down the masks and when actually the real the real person comes out. And that yeah. is that is beautiful. So I'll do the same. I will do. I will actually speak from the heart. Uh, in in my workspace or in my when I deal with patients, that is exactly where where the appreciation comes in. That is exactly where others respond with gratitude, and um, I can put them at ease. And that is not because I'm yeah. bullshitting them, but because I show a little bit of my own vulnerability and yeah. of my own authenticity. Yeah. It's vulnerability. I mean, I would say to clients all the time, you know, I, it's funny. People are like, you're such a coach. I'm like, I'm not a coach. I don't tell anyone what to do. I simply <laughs> accept them. Here's one thing. So I've seen how I'm an amazing manifester. I just never knew it. Right. And so, but all those years gone, I don't understand why people are angry and frustrated. <laughs> you know, a few years into this journey, when things were tough, I'm going, oh, God, I manifested that. Now I know why the world. So in the past five years, I've learned where we've gone wrong, right? Mm. So the perception of like, I always, I still have my perception, but I see now where we go wrong. Mm. And it's, it's crazy. It's just, um, I totally lost my thought where I was going with that on site. <laughs> but you know, with with people, it was oh, it was validating. Mm. I always validated people's bad situations, right? And so, like, if someone would be going into a story and really going into the experiences, at the end, I'd go, "That really sucks. I am so sorry you had to experience that." Like. You know, as a kid, you never should have experienced that. And then I'd go, hmm, you know what? I assume I, what, did you ever try thinking about it this way? It's like questions. It's asking instead of telling. Nobody likes to be told what to do. I, yeah. you, you know, my mom used to say like, it's going to be rainy. I'll take an umbrella. I'd be like, no, it'll be sunny. I'll be fine. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like what, nobody wants to be told what to do. And we're so good. Mm. At, I think. So many people feel that if they can't, quote unquote, help other people, then there's something wrong with them, right? Like we take it as a personal thing. And, you know, I don't help anyone. And I kind of like, I developed this whole book of acronyms now because I was trying to figure out how to share my message to leaders in a few words that it was like, but helping to me is how the ego looks for praise, right? And 
and I kind of like hold someone and, and holding this space is, is like how, you know, you become one and, and live in love with the divine is to hold is so in what I did for people, if I, I would call, I call my clients, if I did anything for you outside of being a nurse, what did I do? Hmm. What would you call it? And they're like, Oh God, sometimes you were like my friend. Sometimes you were my parent. Sometimes you were like my nurse. Sometimes you were, <laughs> they're like, but all of them, I, I called a few dozen. They all said, you taught me how to love myself. Oh, wow. Well, Dave, and a here's the kicker. I went, could you tell me how I did that? <laughs> because I wasn't, it wasn't my goal. I never, I simply went out into these women and went, listen, this is so cool because I've got some information that might be able you know, to support and guide you. And you've got, you can teach me too. Like we have to learn from one another. And I think we get into that ego, like you're mm -hmm. here on there. Mm -hmm. And think of it, if someone helps you, if someone says, oh, let me help you. Most people go, I don't need to be helped because all of a sudden now you're dropped down. You're disempowered mm -hmm. by that word. Right. How can I support you? Can I lend you a hand? Could you, you know what I mean? There are ways of phrasing things where we can empower people every day. And that was why, you know, the ACE connection, that whole thing is an acronym too, but living with love is basically just, you know, it's looking to inspire and validate and empower people. And we can do that simply through listening objectively with vulnerability and engaging as human beings, not as our roles, just as us people, like that's it. You know, and, and since leaving work, I haven't had a converse. I forgot. It was like, have normal conversations. I recently went on a cruise. I'm like, oh, this is amazing. I get, just please don't ask me what I do. Because like, then I go like, <laughs> you know, I'm on a social mission. I'm mm. a global minister of heart. There you go. <laughs> you know, mm. and um, by the way, heart though, that's how I came up with it was that coach when he said teach people and it took me a few months but I came up with the acronym heart which stands for honesty empathy acceptance respect and trust and really at the beginning of my message the first year I thought that was about giving it to others and after about once I found out about my brain and started writing to myself I found out it's really about having that with ourselves and then once we have it with ourselves, it automatically spills out. Wow. Well, that's beautiful. That's absolutely like I've never tried to be kind or nice. Mm. And, but I also know myself well enough that in the past few years, when I was really sick and really frustrated, like physically ill and frustrated, um, I, I stayed away from people because mm. I didn't want to put that out in the world, mm. you know, but I've also been in the space when I was like that, if people don't call me out, but if people called me and I wasn't in the space, I didn't try to be in the space. I'd be like, listen, you deserve someone who's a hundred percent there. And I just can't give that to you right now. So can I call you at a time? But most of us don't, we just ignore someone if they do that. Right. And if we're just honest, well, well, and yeah, I don't, I don't know. It's just, if I can figure out how to execute in this world <laughs> on the computer, um, 
you know, because the book is, it's a, it's, it's a different, there's so much. And I try to dump it in people in a, in an hour and a half and you can't do that, but basically it's about seeing differently, but in a world where that's very hard to do when there's no love and support around you. Absolutely. Because I've had a hard time the past few years. Like I've, my way of seeing the world is ingrained. I mean, when I had those things, the doctors even like, your brain perceives the world differently. And I'm like, am I psychotic? They're like, mm. no, no, no. It's a, so neuroplasticity does work because I train my brain to see differently, a different world. But neuroplasticity, I had that inner voice. And then I had the rest of the world. You can't do it on your own when you're sick and you're frustrated and all the chips are down. You know what I'm saying? And so what you did with those people is the same thing I do with public health. You see people. Like if people, I look at myself and everyone else like we're five. And if, (laughs) if they're going, you go, ooh, I wonder what's going on with them. And if something's going on with them, they need more love. They don't need you to walk away. Like I, that's where I really disagree with spirituality nowadays when they say only go towards like-minded people and don't go people lower energy. Well, that's never going to solve the problem. Work mm. on getting, right? Because if let's say I we're never at a store up. and you're upset about something up. else, someone just I never give up. But there's something throws you off and you start yelling and screaming. Mm. If I look at you and I go, oh, look at that guy. And I mm. walk away. All I've done is reinforce to you that it's a cruel mm. and rotten world. But if I go over to you and I say, I'm really sorry. Like, mm. you need to sh- if I show you compassion, then you're going to go, oh, look at that. I just acted out and, and no one ran away. No one turned their back on me. They came towards me. And so slowly, that's how people change. But the way we are is walking away from people who don't live up to our standards. Well, it just makes it separates us even further. Well, these are heavy duty words, girl. Um, yeah, <laughs> and that's the problem because to me mm. it's every day this is every con- I started taping now conversations like a, mm. a gotten in conversation because I ask questions and so for me the greatest ever is when someone says "Ooh, I never thought of that I'm like yes <laughs> isn't it <laughs> I isn't plant it? seeds that's it I plant seeds right and and I got in this conversation about death with the 20 year old girl and before that, we had talked for three hours on a train about like these really deep things, which really aren't deep. It's who we are. It's, just, you know, um, but so when we started talking about death, I'm like, can I record this? Because I don't know how to explain what it is I do. It's mm-hmm. transformational conversation only because it opens someone's mind to a new way of being. In a wow. non-threatening way. You know, mm-hmm. and and so that's like, you know, I think kind of my soul's role came here to like bridge the gap between self and us and and to bring comfort and light to the uncomfortable and dark. I, I don't, you know. Um, Beautiful. Wow. Yeah. Leslie, you're an amazing woman. And you're, you're a woman who is who is not shying away from some 
some very, very, very important topics that so yeah. many of us don't address because it is so uncomfortable. It is so, mm -hmm. there is so much darkness uh, there, yeah. but you are essentially bringing we, the light. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we have to because that's why I said, like, you know, what I ended up doing in the past few years is since I couldn't execute, I just kept creating. And at one point, two years ago, I'm like, oh my God, 24,000 pieces of content I created, courses and all this stuff. And I'm like, ah, but it, it's a curriculum for us because yeah. I realized that in order to take the armor off, particularly if you're our age or like you're set in your ways, that's a hard thing to ask someone to do one-on-one. Sure. Sure. This is something we really need to do together. Leaders, those who serve and those who are served, you know, and, and we need to just learn how to feel safe with ourselves and mm -hmm. to, to have authentic and transparent transformational mm -hmm. conversation. Mm -hmm. And so um, I put together this one thing and part of this curriculum, is it's called don't you know stop this train <laughs> like it's don't you ever just want to go stop stop mm. like i'm trying to listen to youtube and all these stupid ads people selling i'm like do people not sell it's the same ad just a different person you know what i mean like the words are the same the thing it's the same one guy was funny he's like i got myself out of like four hundred fifty thousand dollars debt and i'm thinking I'm not going, you got yourself into $450,000, Ted. I'm not going to listen to you. <laughs> you know? uh, ooh, but, nice yeah. one. <laughs> but, well, Leslie, know, if people, if people uh, gel with you uh, and, and hear. Me. Just reach out. <laughs> Let's have a conversation. And, you know, here's the thing, like, also in business, like I faced People kept telling me, well, you're self-advocating. I'm like, no, I'm not. I'm self-aware. I know what works for me. I know it doesn't. Yeah. I know what fills my heart. I know it doesn't. These conversations I have are not chargeable conversations because they're founded in unconditional love and acceptance. And if I put a dollar figure on them, now they're conditional, right? So I say people call me. Yes, I will take the time out. And part of the reason is it fills my heart. <laughs> Right. But I've lived my life well enough to know that if I am open and I'm true to who I am and I own, I am selfish, I'm emotionally selfish. Like I do whatever I have to, I'll ditch whatever. I don't care about money. My emotional wellness and my emotional well being is most important for me because if that suffers, then no one else is going to benefit. Right. So for me, I've never paid attention to money. I never knew why, but I went, it's just money. I just need to feel, have my heart felt. And when I lived my whole life that way, it was always there. Have I been monetarily rich or wealthy? No, but I've always had enough to do what I wanted to do. And I've never well, paid attention to well. it. But I've always been in until the past, a state of flow where I was being, I was aligned. I was living in integrity with who I was. Right. When I step out of integrity, that's when I get into trouble. When I try to work the way the rest of the world works, mm. you don't get this. You get frustrated, Leslie. And like my energy of love is palpable mm. when I'm not frustrated, but when I'm frustrated, watch out, man. I don't even have to open my mouth and people feel the frustration oh. in the dark. <laughs> 
but but it's okay. I know that about myself. But that's my gift is when someone's in that frustrated space. Now that I'm not frustrated anyway, I can hold space. Be whoever you are. I remember mm. men would particularly say this to me. They'd go like, well, be myself. What if I'm not a nice person? Mm. And I said, well, I'm pretty sure you probably are. But in the event you're not, be the biggest ass, the best ass you can be. Like, just be true to who you are. Because unless we're true to who we are, that hiding is going to prevent us from getting into a state of flow with the energy of ourselves, our bodies, the world, <laughs> one another, you know, um, and we owe it to ourselves to stop trying to be better and just relax and be who we find out who we are before we try to be better. Nice one. Nice one. Ooh. So uh, tell us, where can people uh, get to know you? Where are you know some what? of the projects? Where are some, some, They're how can not, they find dude, you? Dude, I'm telling you, I don't even read my email because I, <laughs> with the, I keep going, I've been going to, to places to try to, figure out how to work with my brain and they're all like try to teach me nerd i'm like i don't want to change it yeah. i just want to learn how to work with the computer <laughs> like I, it's not knowledge Brilliant. so right now i'm just telling people i'm giving you my phone number text me first because i got tons of sales calls hey yeah. you know and it's six area code one six one zero five oh six eight two nine eight there is no sale at the end of the game this is just like that hair commercial uh, you know if i spare two friends they share two friends it'll spread and <laughs> crap that's going on in israel and palestine and all over the world just hopefully one day won't happen because we'll learn that we don't have to fit in we're not supposed to fit in you know nice. we're supposed to just be nice. who we are and together we all make this we're all pieces of this gorgeous puzzle but If, you know, if we mess up and change our piece, then <laughs> does that make sense? I don't know if that made sense. No, it yeah. does. It does. I know exactly I'll tell what you, your message is. For me, is. the hardest thing for this is I talk all the time. I'm used to asking questions and listening. Uh, and I keep going, spirit, am I supposed to like, when I go on a thing like this, I kind of learned it's channeling. It's not me. But yeah. I do walk away from everyone going, oh, God. I no. didn't want to talk that much. I didn't ask about Stop. people. You you put it per <laughs> you put it perfectly. Channeling. There is yeah. sometimes there are people who are actually mouthpieces of a different energy that is out there and that wants us humans to live a different life. Yeah. Wherever this energy is coming from and whatever label you give it, let it be. Uh, the name of a religion let it be some outside of this world energy yeah. however you think whatever your mental construct is there mm -hmm. i believe that this channeling is actually a very true thing that is yeah. happening it um, is because i couldn't stop it if i wanted when it go. goes on like that and i mean even when i've done talks people be like well just write out an outline i'm like i've tried to write things out and like five words in i can feel it inside <laughs> me i'm like there yeah, he is exactly. it's bigger than me like yeah. i'm a, a vehicle a vessel exactly for something bigger and here's the kicker though i think all of us who suffered trauma like significant childhood trauma i think we're all vehicles hmm. 
but we just lost, we lost who we were because we, I don't, I think the only thing I can think of, because the only credit I can really take my entire life is listening to whatever that voice was and following it and not being afraid. But I wasn't afraid because time and time again, I proved that if I listen my heart and open it up to the world and say, here I am, like me or not, love me or not, <laughs> you know, then things work out well. But if we close it, then number one, we're just trapping our pain with other people's pain. All that pain is being, right? I imagine this heart, right? Like the heart's here and, and the armor is like sitting over it and the heart's trying to beat. <laughs> and, and it's like, can't beat, right? <laughs> so all this stuff's getting trapped. And, wow. and then the science, I mean, there is, I, I'm impressed I didn't go into the science. I usually get into heart-brain coherence and how my body fell out of homeostasis. But it's rather one day if you want to talk like as a professional professional, I would tell doctors, I fell out of homeostasis. Can you please hug me something like my body when my heart was open and my brain was going slowly, right? Yeah. Nowadays, our brains, go, they were communicating and it tricked my body into thinking it was healed when it wasn't. I walked around with a bowel obstruction for three and a half years. Every test, monthly, I had testing. And I kept saying, I know this is a bowel obstruction. Like, no, everything's fine. Finally, one day after leaving a test, I walked into, I see this office and it's a surgeon. I walk right in, didn't even know the guy. I said, cut me open. I have a bowel obstruction. Every test. And he did. 18 inches of small bowel, triple loop through the ligament trites for three and a half years. That's how much home, that's how much heart-brain coherence affects. So I don't think it heals. I think it masks. And when you fall out of coherence, yeah. Uh, another thing, at a surgery, like uh, doctor said to me, you're hemorrhaging. Your hemoglobin is fine. So I mean, there's a deeper science that, like, mm. if you want to talk about one day, like, it's really impactful. But even doctors, they look at you and go. What are you talking about? <laughs> uh -huh. Oh, please. You know? And that's, that's uh, we all have had that experience. We have all had that. Unfortunately, yeah. we all have got also experiences with the, with a very different clientele, um, which are Munchausen syndromes, which are mm -hmm. um, all those the 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 kind of. Uh, not so nice mental health problems. Um, so therefore, it's so hard for for doctors to remain open to intuition and remain open to to those those uh, those experiences that very much can be positive and enlightening, etc. When we have seen so much crap and so much frustration. Do you, do you think though? Do you think if I asked you if you thought? much of mental health was truly mental health or if it was cognitive health what would you think what would your just guttural opinion be the problem is that we are still thinking in these kind of silos that there is the yeah. brain and there is the thyroid and there is that and etc we sort of like to categorize things and put them into nice little holes yeah and unfortunately the body does not work like that 
We are inter interconnected systems, and um, it is there's a tremendous amount of interaction there, and the brain and emotions and all those kind of things that that make us truly unique. They are heavily, heavily um, involved and balanced. And there's a there's a gut brain axis, and there is there is so many axes that are yeah. there. So therefore, to actually just label something in pure mental health terms, I think is a failure in its own right. Um, yeah. To to consider something only as a thyroid problem and not not thinking of the wider implication on that human being is just yeah. as much of a failure of yeah. of that. Um, so Good it is because we want easy, quick, and we want answers. Well, absolutely. life is messy. Life is complicated. Yeah. The body is yeah. messy. The body is complicated. And yeah. like you, you know. But here's you know when I when I learned and started delving into I mean I learned everything I do by listening to YouTube I could have earned like a PhD my brain was just I don't think our brains are meant to handle the amount of influxes <laughs> because when my brain and heart like when my heart wasn't being filled and my brain was learning all this information that I couldn't express anywhere mm. yeah. it felt like scrambled eggs like I seriously was I, what's what I said I went to Hashimoto's encephalitis and, and traveling cross country with encephalitis, going, I'm leaving my car around. Like it was scary. And so, everything I just talked to you about, about feeling safe with yourself in the past couple of years, when my cognitive health like really took a plummet, and so did my physical health, every system in my body went haywire from not loving other people and not having that energy exchange and, mm -hmm. and you know, all that. But when that happened, I did not feel safe with me anymore because my cognition, it was kind of like having dementia and I, I was having a hard time tapping in my intuition, right? My thyroid TSH was like 25. I went, oh, okay. For the first time <laughs> in my life, I was going, what am I doing just sitting in a hotel room? It's like, um, what a waste of money. And I'm like, ah, who's speaking? <laughs> like, but that was the mess, right? Like for the first time in my life, I saw what these illnesses, how they affect the brain. Mm -hmm. And and I look at, you know, I get frustrated because I think there's a huge difference between cognitive health and mental health. And the brain and the mind are two different things. The brain's is structure like the heart. Mm -hmm. This is the way I see it. The brain and the heart are structures. And just like the heart, if the heart is has an anomaly, then the amount of blood it pumps and the way it pumps isn't going to be quite as effective. Well, if the brain develops differently, mm -hmm. the way it should for that person, but if a brain <laughs> develops, you know, there are two different ones, you know, neurotypical, one's neurodiverse, then, then what... The, the neurotransmitters, neurochemicals coming out of that are going to be different. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So the thoughts are going to be different. And knowing how I am and how my brain worked in that when I didn't think my whole life and just let my brain do its thing, and I succeeded at everything I touched really without trying too hard. And then the past few years when I've been trying to force my brain to work the way that it was not designed to work and I've failed at mm. everything, <laughs> it, it just leads me to believe like maybe the world's supposed to have neurodiverse people and neurotypical, and maybe we just need to learn to work together to learn to work with one another instead of saying, nope, this is the way the world works. If you can't play the game, you're out. 
<laughs> right? Beautiful. Uh, it's beautiful. Yeah. Anyhow, Leslie, but, you're an amazing yeah. woman. Uh, thank you so much for yeah. for raising all those issues and showing us a different side of humanity, a, a side that is often a lot of people try to to live in this present uh, world and struggle yeah. because they are drawn back to the past or worry about the future. Here we are, we are thinking, wow, great. We are finally, for those few seconds here, we are in the present. You have been living there all the time. And yeah. so, so it's, <laughs> and it's amazing. I can tell you what's to come. If we can get our shit together mm. and, and learn to talk about the, you know, I'm really good at spinning a reality to make it a gift. Like my car gets broken into, I'm like, Ooh, thank you. Now room for more stuff, <laughs> you know, but, but, and that becomes second nature. However, in order to do that, you got to go, ah, oh, shoot, my car got broken into what a mess. Ooh, that feels really invasive. Hmm. And then once you let your body feel it, then you go, okay, let's look at it differently. But we need to talk about this, this, our culture now is everything's positive. Everything's great. No, it's not. When the reality is, if, if you don't believe in your heart that it's great, then stop trying to tell yourself it's great because you're working against yourself, right? You got to go, yeah. yeah, it's not great right now, but you know what? How can I look at it differently to nice. make it? Yeah. Nice. So anyhow leslie you're one it was a pleasure and I, i'm sorry i wish i learned more about you <laughs> stop channeling this much i wanted to learn about you <laughs> no 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 it was a privilege and an honor for me yeah. to to listen to you and be reminded of so many things so i've i've, I've grown in this interview and for that i'm very very grateful yeah, and guys if you. you want to know more about leslie i've put things down there into yeah. the description of the youtube this, video and i'm and dead serious just text me and tell me you heard me here and we will have a conversation because this beautiful. is my role and if i'm doing my role then one day money will come whatever i need will come will be there as long as i'm aligned with what i'm supposed to do and this is what i'm supposed to do so an amazing woman yeah. and you yeah. guys out there look after yourself Thank and you. live with passion bye yeah. bye bye thank you i never give up i never give up i never give up Turn